every single episode, I get so excited because it's a new person, which means it's a new face, facet, character trait of God, and a new conversation that really gets my mind and body activated. And I say body specifically today, not only because we're at the Fit and Faith podcast, but because today's guest, pastor and nutritionist, Tina Hall. Yes, Hall, same as last week. Travis Hall, her husband was on. Incredible dynamic duo, and they have a church in Atlanta. And beyond that, she's also a nutrition and dietics specialist. And she specifically teaches in something called intuitive eating, which I love. Not because she's just a nutrition coach, but because I have nutrition background. It's such a part of every single day of our lives. And get this, her business is called Fit for Purpose. Fit in faith, fit for purpose. It kind of just is like so symmetrical, right? And so she's a sweetheart and she had such amazing emphasis, not only on us as women, but also us as mothers and us as human beings. Ultimately, if you eat, raise your hand. Yeah. Okay. That's you. No matter what your gender is, I, it, you eat food. You need food. And to look at it from a faith lens, which is something I'm so passionate about and how I help train people when we go on international retreats, this concept, intuitive eating, is something brand new. She dropped so many bombs during this. I was taking notes the entire time, so make sure you have a pen and paper out. Make sure you follow her in all the places and be sure to touch base. Touch base with these people, you guys. This is an incredible opportunity to just say, hey, share this on your Instagram story. Hey, I loved this episode so much. It's so great to connect with you. I love your heart, Tina. Right? Can you guys do this? Can we get on the board? Can we get on train? Subscribe, review, like, share, comment, all the the above. I am greatly appreciative, and I know Tina will be as well. Tune in, chat soon, and don't forget, intuitive eating. Get ready. This is your God wink, the moment that heaven says for such a time as this. It's time to own your joy, prioritize your health, discover your wealth, and exude your wholeness. It's time to become truly fit. However, this isn't a fitness podcast, though I'm a retired personal trainer and nutritionist. This isn't business jargon or tips and tricks to landing your successful passion project, though that's totally why I'm a business coach. This isn't a quick fix health detox ploy, though I'm all for therapy and I love whole foods. I do have a YOLO side sweet tooth though. This isn't confusing religious banter, though I'm an ordained minister still figuring out the many things and facets and faces of Jesus. It's really none of that. So I'm wondering if you're wondering, what is this? Well, This is an opportunity to join me alongside other big dreamers, innovative movers, and lifestyle shakers as we explore and share our messy comeback stories and discoveries with each of you fellow passionate seekers. The Fit and Faith movement was birthed through my own trial and error discovery of mind, body, and soul alignment, and to be totally transparent, my own entrepreneurial crash and burn experiences. I've learned firsthand that being fit isn't about our physique at all. It's not about our qualifying abilities or titles. It's not about our potential. It's truly about our God-gifted passions meeting our purpose. You are one step away from achieving your idea, your dream, your calling, your purpose, whatever you want to call it. And I want to be there for the moment that you say yes in freedom, clarity, and confidence that you are living fully fit in who and whose you were made to be. 
Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast with me, Tamara Andress. There is no better time than now to get fit. All right, all right. We're so glad to have you here today on the Fit and Faith Podcast. And it's so great because it's going to roll off my tongue so easily to share with everyone Tina Hall with Fit for Purpose, right? And it's so good that we have this similarity and this symmetry. And it's exactly what this conversation is going to roll out because we believe in this wholeheartedly, that we are all meant to be fit in faith and fit for purpose. And so, Tina, thank you so much for being here. It was such an honor to have you, especially after having your husband on this last uh, show that we just had. Oh my gosh, Tamara, it's such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. I am so excited about just sharing with you today and hearing from you today and all that God's going to do throughout this podcast. I'm just really excited about it. Absolutely. So I know your business is is fairly new as of 2020, which is incredible that you said yes, even in the midst of pandemic, right? Um, and what was going on to start and launch your business. But I know that you've invested so much time into your education and everything that you've done. I'm super interested in learning about um, your intuitive eating, uh, like counseling and how you got into that. Yeah, so it's it really goes back a long ways to my childhood. I had such an issue with food in my body at a very young age. I really was a chronic dieter for almost 20 years. I started dieting when I was like nine years old. I had received so much criticism from every direction in my life, from people that were supposed to be the ones to, you know, the ones that were supposed to have my back, the ones that were supposed to protect and care I had received. And I might get emotional because it just, it's a lot. It it's really lot, is. You know, for so long. And I had such a negative body image, you know, just like I said, starting out dieting at around nine years old, had a really dysfunctional relationship with food. And then, you know, into my teen years, I even started, you know, um, I guess, I mean, I wasn't full blown into an eating disorder, but I had started with some very, very dangerous eating behaviors with, you know, skipping meals for days at a time as a teenager. Um, it was just a very, uh, it's just a very difficult time for me. And it just started to continue on into adulthood. Um, I, I had kids pretty early. So I had my first son when I was like 19. I have five kids. Wow. So That's I incredible. Did, yeah, so I did all of my schooling, like as like older, as an older adult. So yeah, I, yeah it's just been babies first. I get it. All right. <laughs> so a lot of people kids. go the other way around, but honestly, I feel like there's a whole conversation in that because you, you knew what you wanted to go to school for at that point right. versus so many who go right out of high school, they go to school and they feel pressured into, I have to choose a major and now I have to have a job because that's the American dream. And nobody even really knows what they're doing. And so they feel guilt around, um, choosing something and then changing. And so I love that you really were invested in what it is that you were doing. But I am I'm curious because I know from my own storyline when you were pregnant, how did you have like from a mental perspective dealing with your body changing in that regard when you had just gone through dealing with your body in a different way? Right, that's a great question. 
um, I was always had, I always had a lot of strict food rules. So there was even more food rules going through pregnancy, even more pressure to be active, pressure after pregnancy to get, you know, right back down to that pre-pregnancy size. And I actually started running after my second um, child, who's, he's now 17. So I started running because I just couldn't bounce back the way I had with my first. And um, because of that, I actually ran two marathons. So there is good that has come yeah. out of good that has come out of this this horrible um, disordered eating habits and you know exercise habits that I had. God always uses everything you know for our good, and it's always worked for me. In fact, going to school to be a nutritionist that was all really centered around my disordered eating and my obsession with food. But God, He knows what He's doing, right? And He uses it not only for my good, but for the people that he's entrusted me with to minister to through Fit for Purpose. So it's been just an, an incredible journey in watching God take what the enemy intended for evil, you know, taking all of that pain and pushing me into my purpose. That is amazing. And you're so right. I mean, I think this is a part of everyone's storyline is to at 2020, right? That hindsight 2020 and be like, wow, God actually used this. Yesterday, we were having this entire conversation about like the detours of our life and people immediately went towards their destructive choices when in fact a detour is something that's placed there ahead of you in order for you to have to take the long way around to what the route is that you intended to do. I'd be like, God is actually placing these detours with intention and not to say that he's saying, hey, Tina, try this new disordered eating habit or try this new thing. But instead, he comes back to those detours of our life and he he just increases um, the ability for us to help the other people in those processes. So I love that um, you've been able to tap into that. I'm curious, even with that obsession of choice, when you went into it, how then did God really come in and, and shake you and be like, like, ah, this is actually not for you. It's for other people. Yeah. So I, you know, I had done some, a lot of nutrition counseling through the years and, you know, wellness programs and all sorts of things like community wellness and just trying to help people live their best life, you know, be healthy in their body, you know, physically, spiritually, all of that together. And when I would do nutrition coaching, I realized, you know, I would do like, you know, macro you know, count your macros. So I do macro plans and calorie counting and just, you know, uh, fitness tracking, all this stuff. And I realized that it wasn't working. Like it wasn't working. It was behavior modification, but it wasn't working for my clients. And I knew there was so much more. I'm like, there's so much more than saying, here, have 1500 calories today. This is the way you're going to do it. You're going to count your protein. You're going to count your carbs. You're going to count your fats. And you're going to get to this place of living your best life. And, and it just was so difficult for, for almost like all my clients, you know? And so I began to realize that it's so much deeper than what we're doing in our actions, but it starts in our mind. And that's where it was for me. It wasn't necessarily, you know, having all of these restrictive rules that was helping me. It was, it was hurting me. So it was, it was something in my mind that was off that I needed to start to, to um, dig into and dive into and allow the Holy spirit to shine his light in those dark places in my life that he wanted to shift and to change as I began to dig into that more, 
it just became more apparent, became brighter and brighter, and, and, and it, which led me to where I am today. That's so cool. I think the part that speaks to me is the is the knowing that there was this, I guess the word that you use specifically is the rules and regulations, right? And it immediately draws me in just from my quiet time this morning of the rules and regulations of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and of the church and how all of those rules and regulations actually inhibit you from living your best life, from actually living in freedom, which is ultimately what God wants us to do. And I've had such similar parallels in my fitness journey and my nutrition journey um, and also in business. And that that's like such a shared piece of, of why that we're so connected is because I'm like, I see you. I totally get it. And yet it was from those moments of destruction where we were actually trying to formulate the rules and regulations. The church didn't have to do it. The diets didn't have to do it. The people who were telling us or shaming us or even our own um, you know, family, it was our own individual mirror moments where we were sitting these rules on our life. And God just wanted to come in and break all the rules. And that's exactly what Jesus did in the best way possible. Um, and so it's so interesting just to hear you say it out loud and to know that there's other people who have had these revelations on such an intimate level. So when you shifted from the rules and regulations and even from your client perspective, how then do you infuse your understanding of the Holy Spirit um, and allowing God to move in their lives as well? Yeah, so the beautiful thing about you know, getting away from those rules and regulations that we put on ourselves, even as believers, is accepting and resting in the finished work of the cross, right? That Jesus already paid the price so that we can be free, but not be bound by sin and be bound by laws and rules and all these things, but that we can walk in freedom. And the way that we do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Because Jesus is living inside of us. And if he's living inside of me and he's living inside of you, then we are empowered by his spirit to, to break free and to walk in this freedom instead of putting all of these rules and all of these things on ourselves and striving, you know, striving to be better, striving. We can stop striving. We can rest in the finished work of Christ and be empowered to be all that he's called us to be just by simply receiving, receiving Christ, receiving the identity of Christ as our own. So I'm not trying to find my identity in my outward appearance. I'm not trying to find my identity in the things that I do. I'm not trying to find my identity in the acceptance from others because I know today I am accepted in the beloved. And there's so much power when you know who you are in Christ that you don't have to allow these rules to keep you stuck and to keep you striving. It's so incredibly beautiful and so well said. And it's this also knowing that, you know, striving specifically from that physicality standpoint, just as it is from any other standpoint, right? It's like that higher sense of self. We're doing so out of this desire for perfection and whatever your uh, ideation of perfection is, right? Because I think from women's perspective, um, this shape is the best shape or this shape is the best shape. Or if I have less wrinkles, then it's the best, you know, facial expression that I can have at this point in life or any of those things. We're striving for perfection. And yet God has already placed over us that we were knitted together with beauty, with intention, with calling, um, without sacrificing 
what we're intended to be right here in this moment. And also like we're out of alignment with our prioritization when our physical beings become the priority of our well-being. And to know, as you were saying with the stewarding of the Holy Spirit, that when he gets a hold of our perspective and he gets a hold of what we're actually doing in that time um, and we reprioritize our life with him first, all of those other things that seem impossible because they are, by the way, nobody reaches that sense of perfectionism in their body, in their flesh until we're with him seated in heaven. Right. And so I love the freedom piece to that, because then when there is a presentation of a nutrition uh, option and not diet. Right. We, we both probably steer clear of the diet word. Uh, then it allows somebody to step into that more wholeheartedly and say, it's not about this outcome. It's about stewarding my body, the vessel, the Holy Spirit that lives within me in the way that I can then exist in the fullness of who I'm created to be. I'm curious because I know uh, firsthand the amount of people who do still live in that diet culture and how it affects society so much. Talk us through um, additional ways that you're helping with this idea of intuitive eating um, rather than what people are so used to. Yeah, you know, I want to share a story if I can um, before I, I talk a little bit about that. And that was really something that happened to me with the Holy Spirit and how he just how the the bright light was just right in those dark areas in my life that I didn't even realize were there. And it was a, t- a time when, you know, my kids were still young and I was still in this restrictive um, dieting behaviors. And I was, I pulled up to a convenience store. And at this time, you know, again, I was running lots of miles. I was very, very uh, concerned about calorie intake. And, you know, I thought I was doing it all in the name of health. You know, that's what, that's what I told myself. I don't know necessarily that I really believed it, but that's what I told myself. You know, I want to be healthy. So that's why I need to do all this Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so, so I pulled up to this convenience store and I looked over to the right of me. There was a a woman and she was probably a middle-aged woman and she was having a really difficult time getting out of her car. She was rocking back and forth and just trying to get herself out. And I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me that moment. He said, if you don't start focusing on your health, you're not going to be where you want to be 20, 30 years, 40 years down the road. You're, you're focusing on, you know, calories. I'm focusing on, you know, it doesn't matter if you have this, you know, uh, cookies or chips or whatever, as long as you fit into this calorie amount, you know, throughout the, throughout the day. And as long as you don't exceed those calories. So it was never about health for me. And I think in our culture today, we say we want to be healthy, so we're going to restrict and we're going to exercise. But if you, health today in our culture is more about the outward. It's about weight. We say weight equals health. Well, weight does not equal health. Weight is a, is a piece of health. And so what I try to help people with is shift from focusing on health as the outward health as weight to a more holistic approach to health where it encompasses your physical health, your spiritual health, your mental health, your emotional health. And how does all of this work together so that you can live an abundant life? What we see a lot with diet culture today is restricting, restricting food rules, you know, um, 
exercising as punishment for what you've eaten. And it only increases the dysfunctional relationship that people have with food. And it leaves them really stuck in this diet cycle. And there's a lot of guilt and there's a lot of shame associated with the diet cycle because it starts with, you know, I want to lose weight. I got to lose weight to look a certain way, right? And so you start restricting foods until you feel extremely deprived. And then you feel so deprived that what what happens is you cave and you end up overeating or binge, which leads to all these feelings of guilt and shame. I can't do it. I'm frustrated with myself. I, I don't measure up. I don't have enough willpower. I'm just... I'm horrible. I'll never get to this place. So you start restricting again. And it just is a cycle that happens over and over again. And I help people learn how to break out of this diet cycle and develop a healthy relationship with food while while building trust with their body. Because I believe that we were created to be intuitive eaters. I believe that each one of us knows exactly what our body needs and wants for health. You know, I have a two-year-old. I always give this example because I think it's so important. It's so it's so fun to watch her. She eats when she's hungry. I can't make her eat if she's not hungry. And I can't make her stop if she's not full. Savannah, my two-year-old, is an intuitive eater. She knows when she's hungry. She knows when she's not. She honors her. She will stop halfway through a chocolate chip cookie and say, I'm done. I'm like, <laughs> You're like um, that's okay, do I want the rest of that? Now you have to intuitively decide yeah, if it's yeah, for yeah. you or not. Yeah, yeah. That like, is an amazing um, example, though, because even as you were explaining it, I'm like intuitive eating, intuitive eating. I have always had this visual since coming into my, bo- my body concept um, and truly living in that place of freedom from food, from uh, the mirror image, from societal pressure of this is the the ideal body type, right? And uh, this knowing that if Jesus was to knock on my door tonight for dinner, what would I feed him? And if he was to sit there, I'm definitely a Martha meets Mary. I'm going to be the hostess with the mostest. My husband's the cook, so I could trust him to come in to cook. But I would be preparing things that are of sustenance because I know that he has another journey ahead of him. He's got somewhere else that he needs to be. And I am definitely not going to feed him crap. It's not going to be from a box. It's not going to be from McDonald's. It's not going to be from fast food. It's not going to be from anywhere besides the earth, which is his creation is, is from the healthiest version of its form without anything injected into it. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be colorful. It's going to be vibrant. And so when I ever, I think about that, it's the knowing that if the Holy Spirit, as we believe, my light just went off in my, in my office, uh, but it's okay. I've got a, a ring light. Thank goodness. Um, but if, if the Holy Spirit resides within us, shouldn't we be treating every meal, every component of ourselves in the same way? And yet this example, this visual of him coming in, it feels easy to give you the right response. But is it easy intuitively when our stomach starts to get a little hungry? And so knowing it from that example of the kiddos, it makes it that much more visible because I see parents so often in that restriction mindset of it's dinner time, right? You need to sit down. You need to eat this. You need to eat all of this before you can get up. And this is how I was raised. And and I don't know, 
um, at the time that I felt like it was the wrong thing, except for when it was Brussels sprouts. And then I literally couldn't get up for an hour and a half until I finished every Brussels sprout. But now we allow our children to graze. And a lot of people think it's super bizarre, but we don't have a kitchen table in our house. We have a lot of islands uh, and a lot of places that we gather that are like circular in nature, but not necessarily a table. We also will just put platters out and we'll just graze throughout the evening hour of vegetables, of fruits. And there comes a time when they stop eating and we put the vegetables and stuff away or they come back and they're thinking of something else that they're interested in eating. Um, and we allow them open access to the fridge and we've completely almost cleared out the pantry. So there's nothing that they can really go in that they could cook or eat unless it's cooked, right? Um, and so it's no box foods, things like that. And people think it's super bizarre. They're like, that you don't you don't like have a family meal time. I'm like, oh no, we do. We have family meals all the time. We're eating together all day long. <laughs> We're grazing in the pastures, if you will. Um, and so I love the example, but I also love the ability for people to unlock that there is freedom even in the structure that society has per programmed us to believe is right versus wrong. Yeah, you know, I think I think the key is is freedom. You know, that word keeps popping up I feel like today and I think that it's so important that we don't put our put those rules again and those restrictions what happens like it's a psychological thing that happens in our minds when we are it um you know, um, have all these restrictive rules and guidelines around our eating. And when we become more in tune with our bodies, you know, people often tell me when I say, you know, I, I work on a principle called making peace with food with people. So it's making, giving yourself unconditional permission to eat with attunement. And that's the key here with attunement at first, because people restrict for so long, it's very hard because when you say unconditional permission to eat, they say, oh gosh, I'm going to just eat everything in sight. I'm going to eat all the cookies I see. I'm going to eat everything, you know, all the bad foods, which are really less nutrient dense foods is what we're really saying. But when we attach morality to food, then it begins to impact how we feel about ourselves. So, so all foods can become emotionally neutral. When foods become emotionally neutral, we do not have this intense desire to have those foods that you know, those bad foods that maybe are calling our name, you know, Tamara, you know, come and eat this yes. cheesecake sitting on the counter. No, 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 you know? no, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so people even feel like, well, I could never have cookies in my house and I could right. never have chips in my house. Well, let me tell you something. Cookies and chips don't control me. I'm in control of what I eat and what I want to eat and how much I want to eat. And that's what really happens when you take those restrictive behaviors and those rules off of eating, they don't belong there. You're in charge. I'm in charge. And so when that happens and we begin to listen to our body, our body actually tells us those when, you know, those uh, to crave those nutrient rich foods, but also it's okay to sometimes crave those play foods as well. Right? Because if we never allow it and we're banning it, all the time and we always feel restricted then there's that psychological you know issue that arises of us feeling deprived and you know all that guilt and shame when we overeat or binge and and so that doesn't belong in our relationship with food because the truth is food is food 
That is so good. I've honestly never heard that. So this is where it's so cool because I had my personal training and nutrition consulting license. Uh, gosh, it was I got it about 10 years ago at this point. And it's definitely played such an integral role in my life. Um, also because of my desire for rule and regulation and also my example of rules and regulations as a gymnast growing up. And so I very much paralleled to that uh, emotion and thought pattern and um uh, actualization of those rules and regulations. And I too, similar to you, I didn't ever like binge eat or starve myself, deprave myself, but um, I definitely had unhealthy concepts. And I always put even to this day, like a negative connotation towards a certain genre of food. Um, and I love the idea of emotional neutrality towards food as a whole. And so nothing is, is bad or good, it is what it is and made as it is. And then it becomes that desire and also that need base of what is healthy and what is sustaining. Um, so I am totally gonna, I'm putting that in my pocket. I, I always come to these conversations with hope of like, what am I gonna learn? And I love the that paralleled with the unconditional permission to eat with attunement. I mean, you guys, this is, revolutionary. If you're not listening and not taking notes, you've got to get in touch with Tina Hall. This is so good. All right. So I want to circle back to that nine-year-old sense of self um, and, and unpack from a motherhood perspective. How now can you serve your children to understand these pretty grandiose topics um, for food, for nutrition? And how do you like create like your home in that regard? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, it's taken me, uh, it's taken me a while to get to where I am now with my kids because, you know, before intuitive eating, before the shift in mindset in my own life, you know, I would, for me, those foods that were less nutrient dense were, were called junk food. That was what we called it. And I was raised that way. I was raised to call it junk food. But now I realize that, you know, or garbage. But now, you know, I realize that I do have a garbage can in my kitchen <laughs> and it's not made out of food. So food is not garbage, you know, but I still sometimes because that has been like in my mind for so many years that food, you know, those less nutrient dense foods are, are junk, which now we call them play foods. But you know, it was junk food for so long. So some every once in a while, I may even say something like, you know, you've had too much junk. And then I'm like, oh, gosh, like, put that back in. That's not what I meant to say. I apologize. So it's learning how to navigate through my own intuitive eating journey, while also helping my clients navigate through theirs and my family. So it's been very interesting. But as far as, you know, um, just body positive body image with my kids and helping them to understand what that is and what that looks like. I can be a real mama bear when somebody, you know, I have a 13 year old daughter. So when somebody said, mentioned something, maybe it's a relative. I am like right there. You will not say that to my child. You will not talk to her about dieting. You will not talk to her about if that's good for her or bad for her, if that's going to make her fat or if that's going to make her clothes fit tighter. Wow. That mama bear in yeah. me just rises right up because yeah. those were the things 
that I dealt with as a nine-year-old little girl. And my, I have two girls. They will not. Well, yeah. if I'm while I'm around, that will not happen. I love that. I, I think so much of society needs that because it is. It's in whether it's happening in your home or it's happening from a secular world of influence, right? I mean, I think about. TV. I think about what plagued me was like magazines and um, MTV, like music videos, right? I'm dating myself. So go with me there. Um, But it's the knowing that it was always culturally in my face, that marketing, that consumerism of this is the expectation of. And so I made my choices from that. Um, So I love that you're you're protecting them in that way. And then also uh, arming them with the ability to go out and know that there's, I love play food. I I haven't, I haven't ever picked up on that and I'm going to have to process it because it definitely feels like play when I'm at a birthday party and I eat a cupcake. Um, But we've taught man-made versus God-made is those are the two like word conversations that we have when it comes to food. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to make a quick comment, though, to to talk a little bit more about the um, the question you just asked me about my kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the other thing is, is that in our culture, it's all about looking good. Does this look good on me? So when my daughter's trying on a new outfit, you know, and she'll say, Mom, does this look good? How does what do you think about this? I'm like, let me ask you a question. How do you feel in that? Mm, How do you feel that. on your body? You know, instead of focusing yeah. on that outward and looks and appearance. How does that feel? Are you comfortable in that? Because if you're comfortable, then let's do it. Oh, I love that. I love that. Gosh, I want to be asked that question (laughs) or or, or ask that question of myself. Like you said, like, how do you feel? Like to be able to say that I think is so empowering. Um, mm, sorry, that, that was a good note. I'm going to yeah, write that yeah. in the notes too, you guys. I'm, I'm taking notes on behalf of this in the chat. So some of the drop, the gems that she's dropping, you can go back to and resource yourself. We have listeners on live that are saying that they've never heard it called play either, um, food or play food either. And so I, it's just such a good conversation. So, so rich in, in and of itself. So thank yeah. you for that. Good. Absolutely. So good. So God foods, versus man foods yeah and and how do i and what's my yeah, i'm curious that? yeah I, I want your wisdom your honest okay. wisdom okay so you know um obviously we have these you know nutrient-rich foods that are going to be be incredible for our bodies right and we want to make sure that we're getting those nutrient-rich foods and it's a big part of intuitive eating seeing a lot of people think that intuitive eating is just eat whatever you want. That's not what intuitive eating is. Intuitive eating is a self-care eating framework. And so we have 10 principles that I teach my clients and how to, how to make sure that they are honoring their body. It's all about honoring your body. So we're taking into consideration those nutrient rich foods, those God foods, right? Those foods that are high in phytochemicals and fiber and vitamins and minerals and all of those things that our body needs to reach its optimal health. Now, some of the man foods, like, you know, um, boxed foods, like you talked about, or cookies or chips or those types of foods. Here's the thing. And it's not, again, about just eating whatever you want, but it's about eating with attunement. So being able to listen to your biological and your psychological cues that are guiding our eating behaviors without restriction. 
and like I said before, a lot of times when I say unconditional permission to eat, eat the foods that you enjoy, eat the foods that are satisfying, that's important. Satisfaction is a big part of intuitive eating. What happens if you, you know, a lot of times in diet culture, you can have like, you know, what? Baked chicken and broccoli. Let's just use that. <laughs> Yum. Yeah. That sounds good. Every I'm hungry. It's lunchtime. Oh no. Mm-mm. Right. Just right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. It gets boring and it's not very colorful, right? Mm-mm. It's baked. It's very bland looking, smelling. It's not very colorful. And so that satisfaction, satisfaction aspect of actually enjoying your food does so much for our ability to feel fullness, for our ability to feel contentment. And so I believe that balance, variety, and moderation are key. But I don't talk about this at first with my, you know, intuitive eating clients because there's a lot we build, we deconstruct false belief systems that have been sabotaging our ability to develop a healthy relationship with food. And then we build on that to get to a place where we can incorporate balanced meals, variety of foods in our diet and live in a moderate zone. I mean, really, I'm going to rewind just and then go forward right here because that is incredible that deconstruction of false belief systems again am i imparting wisdom to my children is it the healthiest thing even as they get older we know from childhood traumas or childhood raising that was not a trauma that was just the way that they did it best right i feel like we're doing our best and at the same time there's going to be a perspective later that my daughter's gonna be like remember when you used to always say this and i got it wrong right and so understanding that I'm giving myself grace in that parent, that parenting experience, but also for us to be giving ourselves grace in that food. Like today might feel based on intuitive, this is the right thing versus tomorrow it might ebb and flow and we will counterbalance it based on that. But the words that you use that like literally spoke to my heart because it all parallels. And I think this is where people get it wrong. It's like they segment their nutritional health, their physical well-being from their mental health and from their spiritual health. And it all goes together. So when you think about that word satisfaction, when you think about that word contentment that you used, it all parallels to every component of ourself every component of our beings, because I have kind of like a Venn diagram example that I give people often, especially on the retreat side of things, when I'm spending and investing dedicated time with people, all meals of the day for multiple days in a row, right? Uh, Is that there can be the people who are spiritually obese, right? Or there can be the people who are physically obese, or there can be the people who emotionally are obese based on trauma, based on um, needing to contain themselves based on their history. And this is the only thing that they know. And when we strip back the layers of when somebody is in this form of obesity, they're hindering the other components of their of themselves. And so if you're thinking about it from um, the nutritional side, like you were saying, there is this huge understanding that satisfaction actually is exists in the middle, right? It exists in the place of, I, I like to use the word alignment rather than balance because I was a gymnast, so balance feels hard. Um, and, and knowing this allows there to be such freedom and passion towards pursuing contentment, cons- pursuing freedom. 
everyone wants freedom. Everyone wants to feel content at the end of the day in the mirror with your spouse, wherever you might be. So I'm, I'm just, I'm being filled up by this conversation right now. What other wisdom bombs do you have for us? <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm so glad this has been so wonderful. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that's a scary part for people though, is feeling satisfied by, mm. by the food that they eat because, you know, food is fuel. You know, I say that about food is fuel. Well, yes, food is fuel, but it's also meant to be enjoyed, right? Isn't that what Jesus said that he came to give us life and life to the fullest abundant life so that we would enjoy the things, you know, of here right now? It's not everything's not just supposed to be so dreary and gloomy, but we can actually enjoy it. And I think, you know, the satisfaction factor of intuitive eating is actually at the center. It's just, it holds everything together. And I think that sometimes is the scariest part for people is understanding that they can find satisfaction in the foods that they eat. Because when we focus on our health and our inward, instead of focusing on that outward, you know, Jesus said, talk to the religious leaders. He said, you are so consumed with the outside of the cup. I mean, the outside of the cup looks great. I mean, it's clean. It's perfect. But the inward, it's so awful. And that's really where the intuitive eating journey starts is inward. It's an inward journey. It's, it's inward work, which a lot of people kind of sometimes get scared of the inward work because we, our culture teaches us for quick, to look for quick fixes, right? Quick fix. I always say that dieting is like, you know, I want you to think of a, of a swimming pool with a leak in it. Dieting is like putting a patch on a swimming pool with a leak on it and expecting it to hold. It's not going to hold. That's a surface level fix. What we need is an inward, some inward healing that helps us to develop these healthy relationships with food, with our body, with our mind, you know, all of that. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, it's so much more than just this outward behavior modifications. It's inward. And that is literally my MO for business building. Like legitimately, it's all about building from the inside out. And this is in every component of our life. And that's literally what we're called to do. And I think when we can go inward and not necessarily inward from the fight or flight and the, the fleeing or the clamming up or the turtle shell, but doing so in a place of also freedom, right? I'm going to go inside for a little bit. And to know that when we come out, just like the cocoon, right? Just like the butterfly experience, the beauty that exists on the other side. And so I am a massive component of doing that inside work and making sure that that's the priority before that exterior. Because what happens when we do that is the exterior becomes secondary in the sense of not because of prioritization, but because it's inevitable, it's inevitable that when I drink more water, my skin glows a different way. It's inevitable that when I feed myself good foods and I do so in congruency with what I need versus what I want, that my shape, the tonality of my body, I'm going to feel more vibrant in my skin. I'm going to feel better about those jeans when I put them on than had I just carb loaded and done all of these things the day before because I was eating my emotions. And so I think that there's another conversation in that is this emotional at the emotional neutrality is if I'm feeling this way, 
how then can I approach food? Because I think it's a, I think it's common for everybody, but you hear women talk about it most, right? I need chocolate or I need comfort food right now. I feel this way and therefore I'm going to eat my emotions. How can you pivot someone from leaning into their emotions still from the inside, but not necessarily exteriorly choosing what wouldn't be nutrient dense or any of those things? Yeah. So I think in our fast paced culture, we're so unaware. We're unaware of the reasons why why we're eating. And we haven't even stopped to think about why do I want this food? What is going on right now? Am I even hungry? Sometimes we just eat and we're not even hungry, but we're so distracted. We're distracted by social media. We're distracted by, you know, doing, doing, doing so many different things that we are not even aware. So the first thing I say when somebody is struggling with emotional eating is, what are you feeling? Give yourself permission to take five minutes and just sit, sit with your feelings, discover like, what is it that I'm feeling? Am I angry? Am I sad? Am I lonely? Am I bored? What's happening here with my feelings? So sit for five minutes, give yourself permission to feel. And after that five minutes, decide like, do I still want to have that food? If you do still want to have that food, then give yourself some grace because beforehand you would have just went right to the food, right? Instead of actually sitting and thinking about what am I feeling? But once you sit for five minutes and decide what you're feeling, then think, what at this moment do I need? What do I need? So I'll give a a short story that will help kind of clarify some of this. When when my kids were really little, um, you know, you'd have like one crying, one fighting, somebody pushed the other one. And I remember remember going, I mean, I have five kids. So I remember going into the pantry thinking, I just need chocolate. Like, where's the chocolate? I need it now. What was I trying to do? I was trying to escape. I wanted to use chocolate to escape where I was at the moment. Chocolate wasn't going to do anything for me. It wasn't going to allow me to escape. So I had to think, what do I need? I needed time away. I needed, you know, maybe 20 minutes of alone time. I needed my husband to come get the kids for a little bit. You know, I needed to just chill and to rest. So ask yourself, what do I need? And then how can I fulfill this need without using food to cope? So how can I do this? You know, do I need to call a friend? You know, do I need to, you know, go for a walk? Do I need to set some boundaries, you know, in my schedule? What do I need to say no to some things? You know, what do I need to do? What's out of balance in my life? And then we look at that, like self-care is self, are your self-care needs being met? Like all these different things contribute to our emotional eating. And so those are just three things. Give yourself permission to sit with your feelings, ask yourself, what do you need? And then the third one, how can I fulfill this need without turning to food to cope? I am obsessed with you. (laughs) I want to borrow your brain all the time. This is so good, you guys. And this is literally parallel to so much of my journey um, when it came to alcohol, when it came to chocolate, when it came to carbohydrates um, and that like I wanted to satiate to the point of I now want to sleep. And so it became a coping mechanism as an aid to do the thing that I actually wanted to do, which is sleep, which is actually an aid to just escape. 
And so this is just it's it's so transformational to understand the premise of those three questions. What are you feeling? What do you need? And how can I fulfill this need without using food to cope? Those are so powerful. Um, and, and you could insert without using blank to cope, without using excessive sleeping, without using drugs, without using alcohol, without using fitness, exercise, without using anger, without using, I mean, you literally could insert anything that you think, shopping, that would be one of my other addictions that I had to get past, right? How could I do this? How could I use it without using social media to cope? Because likely that's just another whole cycle you're putting yourself in. So genres of um, addiction, whether you think that they're premised in health like we did for fitness and nutrition or they're premised in something that's negative, there is a reason. And ultimately, the reason that I stopped drinking was because I was suppressing emotion the reason that I stopped sleeping so much was because I got my nutrition back to the place that it needed to be. And I felt okay enough to deal with life, to be alive, and to actually feel the emotions that I was feeling because I was willing to sit with them and unpack them, not only with a therapist, um, but also with trainers and coaches and my husband. And sometimes it's just yourself. Why do you feel this way? Because the kids are driving you nutty? Okay. What can we do in congruency with making this the best next step? Um, so I, I think that that just it speaks to so many more than just even the food. So if you're listening and you're and you're here and you're like, I don't really have a problem with that. What is the thing that you put in front of actually feeling? Because feeling is hard feeling into the emotions of society. And I, as you were talking, I was picturing these people who have now been or not now freedom, have been trapped in their houses, right? And they were actually doing work from home for the very first time. And you talked about boundaries. And when you have access to your fridge and your pantry all hours of the day, and you can get up because you just have Zoom calls and your office mate isn't watching what you're doing, boundaries are so critical when it comes to food, health, well-being, our spiritual man, every single piece of that. Um, so I, I just have all these visions of, of how people are, are going to receive this message and the knowing that it's going to be transformative for so many, what you do on a consistent basis. What are ways that people can get in touch with you or work with you? Talk to me about that. Yeah. So you can, I am very heavily on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram at Tina fit for purpose. So check me out there. I'm always sharing helpful health tips and encouragement um, because I am an encourager by nature. So I love to encourage others. So you can find me there on Instagram at Tina fit for purpose, or you can go to my website at www fitforpurpose.life. And both of those are fit with the number four. So fit for purpose. Yes. Amazing. I'm so excited for people to come into community with you. If you guys are not watching live, Tina has just a vibrancy, but also a piece about her that is just, it's very welcoming. Um, and I know that that serves you in your pastoral realm as well, uh, co-pastoring with your husband. And if you guys didn't get a chance to listen to Travis and his heart for the Lord, God is doing something miraculous in your marriage. And I know that it's just going to literally steward the whole 
the whole being of an individual just with what he has and he brings to the table and what you bring collectively. It's really serving that mind, body, soul. And it's uh, it's pretty amazing. And so it's it's been an honor to spend this time with you. And I'm, I'm grateful for the community to be able to go back and listen again and take notes. We have the people in the chat are like, wow, this is amazing. And, and I know that it surely is. Is there any final words of fit for purpose? How can we remain in that place? Yeah. You know, I just want to say, first of all, I feel so blessed to, to do what we are able to do. God has just done some incredible things. But what I want to leave with you guys is this. I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you find yourself. Maybe you are in a hopeless place. Maybe you are struggling with something, I don't know, food or addiction or just life. I just want to remind you that God is for you and that God loves you and that he has a plan for your life and he has a purpose for you. And no matter how impossible the situation might look today, we serve a God who make all things possible. So hang on to that hope. Hang on to the fact that you today are more than enough because Jesus is enough and you are loved and you are called and you are chosen and you have purpose. Thank you. I feel so blessed to have been able to be here today. Tamara, thank you, thank Tina, you so, much. so much. It was a gift. I'm so honored. Thank you again. And you guys, if you don't feel fit for purpose yet, I know if you connect with Tina and all of the places, Tina fit for purpose on Instagram, you are seriously going to um, take the first step in the right direction towards your wholeness and your well-being and ultimately become fit in faith. See you guys. Hey y'all, it's me again. I hope in today's episode, you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamara.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.